what seems like forever, uh, we're back. Uh, I don't know if it's me or if it's been blue or damaged, but one of y'all have been missing in action. Really, Jason? One of us? <laughs> one of us? Look, I, I have been on what seems like a vacation forever, but I'm not really on vacation. I'm actually working. I went to Miami, then Aruba, then I think mm -hmm. New York, then back to LA, then back to Aruba, then back to Miami. Now I'm back in New York. And, um, you know, even though the work, work doesn't stop, even though the work doesn't stop, um, you know, I feel like I've gotten out all that suppressed anger and frustration of not being able to travel because of the pandemic. And now that I have found myself getting on beaches, being out in the sun, seeing other human beings, uh, being able to enjoy breathing again outside. I mean, I don't know. I just haven't wanted to go back to L.A. where everything is shut down because it's still shut down. Right. Yeah. Well, is it? I don't know. This sun cracked open and it's feeling good out here, Jason, but I can't compare it to Miami and what you've been doing in Aruba, but it's definitely a vibe out here in LA. I will say that. I wish yeah, I but... was doing work kissing boys on the beach, but yeah, you know, it's hard work. <laughs> Baby, let me tell you something. I just ate a whole cheese it in the middle of a show. I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I'm just going to wake up and live my life and do what I want to do. You know, I recently posted on my Instagram a video of me talking about you know, the um, situation I went through where somebody called me a and the reason why I've been posting me being a little less um, closed off to being affectionate with people in public is that I realized that people tolerated me and accepted the toleration, but didn't fully mm -hmm. tolerate or didn't fully accept me. And so as I've seen that, I've noticed that I've been posting my affection towards other people of the same sex on my page less about wanting to get all the attention, more about looking at it as a social study, seeing how people react. You know, I lost 5,000 right. followers when I posted the photo with uh, my friend in Aruba. And it was very telling to me that homophobia is a real thing. And I've just been privileged to kind of fly under the veil of looking and acting straight that I felt that I needed to show up and be better representation for my community. And, you know, this is just a, a lesson that I'm learning. I do want to show everybody the clip that I just posted on my Instagram uh, real quick, and then let's get into it. I really never dealt with homophobia as a young person because growing up in the early 80s, 90s, being gay was just something new. And in my community, even though it wasn't something super popular, you know, I kind of flew under the veil of living a straight life and living a straight lifestyle for the most part. And so I didn't get attacked like other people may get attacked. And so I never really had the experience as a gay person living in America. And then once I got on TV, I realized that I was still somewhat afraid of really showing that part of me because I felt like I didn't want to be labeled or typecast or put in a box. So it wasn't until I got to Wild and Out that I said, okay, cool, I'm gonna use my platform to be an example for young LGBTQ kids who see themselves as somebody who couldn't make mainstream success, but then that maybe they see themselves through me and get the, uh, the courage to pursue greater things and to be able to tackle their dreams. And so when I was called a, f a few weeks ago, it really, it really hit me hard to the core because everybody knows that I'm out here and I'm lit and I'm popping, I'm successful. And I have a lot of friends who are heterosexual, who are wealthy. I have friends who are in the streets uh, and I can move around and code switch anywhere I go and I'm embraced everywhere I go. But when that happened to me, it did affect me in a real personal way. And so I've been dealing with it behind the scenes. One, I had to come to grip with somebody actually called me a Somebody actually attacked me. Somebody actually attacked me for being who I am, uh, a, a gay man, a proud gay man. And then uh, I had to try to resolve it in a way that was productive and not destructive, right? Because I had to make sure that I use my platform responsibly. And so what I did was I told the person that I want them to make a donation on my behalf of $50,000 to organizations that help to uh, eradicate bullying of kids uh, that are LGBT, to provide services, testing, uh, to be able to provide housing, food, um, and support. And so I'm happy to say that we did reach an agreement where they donated the $50,000 to uh, $20,000 to the Trevor Project uh, that helps with uh, the things I just talked about, to the LA LGBTQ Center, and to the OWL Project, which is a project in my hometown that helps uh, parents who are dealing with the death of their children at the hands of uh, people who kill them. And as a person who's uh, gay, a person who's been a victim of abuse, and a person who's been shot, 
I felt that those were the three organizations that were worth giving that money to. And I just wanna say that I'm happy that I was able to resolve that behind the scenes respectfully. And even though $50,000 doesn't measure up to the embarrassment that I felt being attacked, I hope that it helps those that I am making sure it gets to because those organizations that I'm giving to are out there doing the Lord's work. Yeah, so um, I was able to resolve that and get them to donate $50,000 on my behalf to these organizations that are really helpful. And you know, it just really, I've been in this space of where I've wanted to talk on Instagram or, you know, I'm over there at Bego doing things, but it's just, it's just like, I'm in such a happy place in my life right now that I don't want to attack nobody. I don't want to rant. I don't want to do all of the tricks that I did to get people to talk about, you know, me or what I'm doing. Like, here it is. This is what it is. And I just felt like in that moment, it was a teachable opportunity to that person that they could, you know, uh, handle or settle their debt to me because I felt like they had given me that they were now in debt because of how they decided to act out but more importantly now to, to use my relationship and that opportunity to help people who need it so that you know shout out to the uh, trevor project to the owl movement and also to the lgbtq center in los angeles who gracefully uh, received those donations so there's two things that popped out to me watching that video number one i have been cussed out or called bad names by broke people like i can't i don't know anybody that i could bill 50k <laughs> for talking right. to me crazy so that's amazing that you had the right people saying the wrong things to you and number two we're having all these conversations about reparations and it's just so funny how we sometimes don't realize that when something bad happens to you you can literally do something substantially to make up for it right like to your point 50k doesn't make up for being called that word or the disrespect mm -hmm. that you felt and how that scarred you but it's now getting being able to use as a point to like leverage it to help other people so Look, I'm here for reparations, be they personal or federal. And uh, whoever cut that check, please say something crazy to me because I got a couple of organizations myself that I would like to cut a check for. Now, Jason, my question is, did this person apologize? Right. Did they ever apologize or they just put the money up or like, did that person ever understand your standpoint, why that's wrong? Did they come to that full circle moment? Well, you know what's crazy is I actually, uh, an apology was one of the things that I said I wanted at first because I wanted this person to talk to me in my face and own what they had said and what they had done. But then I thought about it, right? What do you say? Sorry for calling you You know what I mean? Like an apology really isn't going to change what happened. The $50,000 will add to some change. And so I was trying to, I had, I spent like a weekend processing what happened, processing how I wanted to deal with it, processing how I wanted to address it. You know, I get I get accused all the time of moving the gay agenda or for promoting homosexuality. And of course, as you know, we're going to get into in this show, there's there's so much homophobia, like the homophobia of what's happening on social media right now. And and, mm -hmm. and also uh, from those that have large voices in the culture is really interesting. Um, and for me, it's surfacing a lot of reactions because uh, I don't walk in a room and say, hey, who's straight? Uh, I don't walk in a room and say, okay, uh, nobody asked me to f your Like, I don't talk like that. <laughs> right. I don't talk Thank like God. that. There doesn't have to be declarations made. There doesn't have to be announcements made. But, but I'm, I'm just, I'm really just uh, surprised at how loud the homophobia is these days. Mm. I have a, a quick question, Jason, because somebody's going to say this in the comments. I can feel it. What was the context? Because somebody's going to be like, well, maybe he was joking and he said it and you just got, you know, sensitive. Was the context, uh, what was the context for how it was said to you? Because I still can't believe somebody said that to your face. Yeah, the person literally, I just bumped into the person, spoke to them. They didn't say anything to me. And then they decided to call me a um, and oh. you know, without, I don't, I don't want to get into too much because then it starts to reveal who it was and this and that. But right. I will say that, I will say that, um, the way it was handled and how it was facilitated and the people that intervened, um, you know, I can't thank them enough for how they handled it, how they supported me, how they got behind me, how they got involved with the conversation and how they helped to hold that party accountable. And I'm sure at some point, you know, there'll be a conversation um, had about it and people will point back to this interview. But it's one of those things where, again, like, you know, I I'm also growing as an individual. You know, I'm, I'm looking at like, you know, you guys know I've been on this whole journey of self-love and we've been talking about self-love, self-acceptance. And when you really want to love yourself, 
you have to take time to think about your actions and the actions that others play in your life and how you want to address it. Before Jason Lee, oh my God, it would have been a headline. It would have been a viral video. It would have been this, this, and that. And some people think I'm boring now. They're like, oh, he's boring because he's not. Look, you want you want that crazy wild side? That is still here. He don't gag him with Jason Lee. And here's sometimes he's going to pop up too. But I'm also thankful to people who are allowing me to grow and 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 speak from the heart less from just you know the chest you know and uh, it was one of those mm-hmm. situations where i had to take a whole weekend because i literally could not process what was happening one people do not attack me like that especially people in the industry two you know and although the person was intoxicated you know you, you it's jason lee you're talking to and at the end of the day you know what the <laughs> I do, you know, and I think that was part of the like shock in it all when everybody started to find out about it because they were like, oh, shit, this is going to be a colossal size train wreck. But I had to take time. I had to talk to people, my close inner circle. I had to process it. I had to on one hand, I was accepting the fact that somebody had called me. I had never been called to my face in my whole life. So that was part of I had to accept that. The other part was I start thinking of young kids who go to school and who are beaten or ridiculed or attacked and then have no safe ground to come home to because their parents don't accept them. And they then don't have any identification of that journey that they may find themselves going in. And I just think about those people and I'm just like, you know, it really, it really, it really bothered me. It really bothered me because you know, I was a kid who did not have anybody to defend me. You know, I didn't have my family. I was in group homes, foster homes. I was abandoned, abused, whatever. And I remember how that felt. And so now where I'm at in my life, I I just, there's just no way that I'm going to let that go by. And yeah, I could have reacted for clicks, but this was not a clickable moment. This was a what is the solution to this issue moment? How can I use my platform and the fear that these people have of me doing something about this publicly to benefit people privately? How can I use my platform to carry on the conversation? That's why today's show is important to me because there's so many topics on here of celebrities who have uh, become so ingrained in wanting to have these aggressive ass perspectives on homosexuality. And I, I challenge these bitches to come here to this show to have the conversation. Jason Lee, do you know who your soul sister is now? Who officially, as you were talking, I was thinking about the whole time. You are now the Mary J. Blige of podcasts. Because Mary J, no, I'm being serious. Mary J. Blige had a really rough childhood. She turned her pain into amazing music and we all got addicted to seeing her sing from a place of pain. And the minute she got happy, we were like, oh man, the songs don't hit the same anymore. And people started dragging her for getting healthy and finding love and doing all these good things. And then she pivoted and like started doing like Oscar worthy performances and doing something else. And so yeah. people are, are attached to you because of how you turned your pain into power. They are used to seeing you in pain, healthy Jason. They're not used to it. And they're getting annoyed because how dare you heal? Because I found comfort in seeing you be in pain too. So screw yeah. them. Mary J. Blige bounced back. So can you. Mary J. Blige. You, you are the Mary J. Blige of podcasts. Listen, look, I, I'll, I'll take it. The thing about it is, don't get me wrong. I'm still highly opinionated. I'm still going to give you that flair. And I'm still going, no pun intended, get off in that ass when I got to. But I also have, and I've said this, if you go back and watch our old shows, I said, I'm like the cross. I'm, I'm like Wendy and Oprah with a d- I am oh. going to tell it like I mean it, but I also have compassion and I have compassion for kids. I have compassion for my community. I, I, have, I have compassion for the black community. I just want to live in a better world where people can just embrace that. There are other people not like them that live here. You know, I watched the video on Hollywood Unlock of them beating this 65 year old Asian woman, a man kicking her mm-hmm. in the face. I mean, like, this is the world that kids are inheriting, and it's not fair. And even though I look back on my childhood and think, like, damn, a lot happened when I was a kid, too, and it's all in my book, um, 
it just seems like it's getting progressively worse. And I just, um, I, I want to do what I can to hopefully make people think a little different or, or feel a little different. You know, we ain't gotta be the same, but I mean, who cares how people are living their life? Who cares what race people are? Like, I don't care about none of that. I don't care. Not gonna cry. I was playing in my head the whole time we were talking. That was beautiful. <laughs> Mary J. Blige. Mary J. J. stands for Jason. Right? Oh my God, that totally tracks. I'm not dealing with y'all. Listen, another thing that's playing in my head, and what I'm not gonna cry about is the bull that I'm hearing about this Derek Chauvin case. You know, he was the police officer who killed, who murdered George Floyd. We saw him with his knee on his neck. He's now trying to defend what happened with him by saying that Derek Chauvin actually died of a drug overdose. And you know what? What I what came to mind when I heard this was that 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 idea that you can inflict injury. I mean, pain. Uh, um, what is it? Insult on injury. Insult to injury. Yeah. Like you yep. already injured our community and the world of humanity by the display of just pure negligence and disregard for human life by literally killing a man in front of the world for the world to see. But now you insult our intelligence and our empathy, and our empathy as human beings around the world, uh, an incident that was bad, that brought the world together uh, in support of our community. And now you're trying to play us like some dumb, mm-hmm. ignorant, blind bitches. That to me has me so frustrated. And I know you all have seen it. What do you think? I am very upset because whenever I think about Derek Chauvin, the first person I think about is Dylan Roof and how Dylan Roof Mm. was allowed to sit at a church and point blank murder all those people at Emmanuel um, after Bible study. And then he still was able to go to Burger King, get lunch and then make it to jail safely. And so the fact that a, that a, that a mass murderer was showed more grace than George Floyd, who even if everything Derek said that he did, did still deserve to be alive and have his day in court. I'm just disgusted that they still think that there's any excuse for what happened. There is no excuse for what happened, Derek. And this is why your wife left your ass because she knows it too. Your own family doesn't agree with what you did. He's disgusting to me. He's absolutely disgusting. No, absolutely disgusting. And I'm just happy we're talking about it. And everybody watching this, please tweet about it, repost it, Instagram it, because I do not feel like this case is getting the attention that it deserves. Yeah. So I'm just happy we're speaking about it, but it's nasty. Regardless of what you think George Floyd did, it wasn't um, it wasn't calls for execution. It don't matter what you thought he did. It, you want, he wasn't supposed to die that day. But I just want everybody, I'm glad we're speaking about it, but it, this, there's not enough coverage on this case. It just absolutely isn't. And, I, and that's giving me red flags and bad signs that this man may walk and hopefully not. So let's keep putting pressure on this case and let's keep representing for real. That's all. Well, I'm and I'll tell you what yeah. it screams for me. I'll tell you what it screams for me is white privilege. And the thing about white privilege is that there literally are, and I know you're saying, Jason, where have you been? You just woke up. No, I've been saying this. I've been saying this. I've been doing, it's been embodied in all the work that I've done around social topics and the, uh, and, and worker movements in the, in and outside the union for years. White privilege basically is the second standard, is the double standard to how we move about in this country and in this world, right? There are the rules for white people, which is they ain't got no rules, and then there's the rules for black people. And when I look at what's happening with this case, this is the part that bothers me. Damage, you have, you're raising a young black king. He could literally be killed by a police officer on camera in front of the world to see and have a worldwide revolution and still not get the respect why he's in his grave. He could still, there could still be an injustice on top of the murder because mm-hmm. of the color of his skin. Now, the the audacity that there would even be this level of white privilege in today's society, given the fact that y'all stole a country from people, then brought some people over to build the country for free, then told us, oh, we don't belong here. It's the audacity for me. And um, I'm, I'm just really taken aback at the idea that... And I know we have the justice system and all of that, but I pray that there is a jury that is sitting up there saying, nah, bitch, don't play with me. Don't play with me. I hope. Because I'd be that one juror playing around until we got to that verdict. And then I would light your ass up with the electric chair. It also makes us really realize about the double-edged sort of hashtag activism. Because I think what, to mm. Damage's point about the fact that he, and even Jason mentioned, he, a whole world global movement 
was was created on the back of George Floyd, right? But I think a lot of people, they hashtagged him. And I don't have a thing against hashtag activism because it has a place, but because they, they shared the hashtag, they had the pictures, they have George Floyd shirts. That was last year. And in their minds, they did their part. It's over. They forgot to humanize him as a man with a family that's still grieving. And I think sometimes we turn humans into symbols and we forget that there's still people with families left behind that are suffering, that are still seeking justice. So for all of you who were screaming Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and every other hashtag last year, we're going to ask that you still remember that they're people and that you think about their families and that you keep you keep screaming their names. Like, it's not just well, a go, movement. I, it's a family. No, I, I'll go a step further and say that you all watching are the reason why he could do this, why he could say this, because you stopped marching. You stopped chanting. You stopped going outside. You know, social movements, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you post, Twitter, Black Twitter, all of those places that you place these names or say her name or whatever it is, their hashtag, is, as Boo was saying, that is that is an awareness campaign. You want to bring awareness to it. So you're sharing it on social media so that way the world can keep adding to the momentum that you're building in the movement. The movement is the marching, the petitioning, the sitting outside and going to jail, refusing to move, you know, you know, taking real aggressive steps, building alliances, building coalitions around an issue. That is real that's real action. The that Sean King does. I don't care what anybody says. Sean King is a master at gaslighting. We can say that he is a, a person that just sends information and whatever, but that information and all that money that you're making should be turning into grassroots organizing efforts to build collaborative uh, momentum to eradicating racism. And, you know, again, God bless all of you out there doing the work. Shout out to Tamika Mallory and those of you that are out there doing the work. And, you know, I'll even say shout out to those that are building awareness. But once you build awareness and you agitate the out of a people, you're supposed to tell them what we can do about it. And I think because the momentum was let off of these police officers, the fact that, as Damage says, you could tell some funny probably going to happen where something doesn't go the way we all expected. The fact that Breonna yeah. Taylor still doesn't have justice is because we let our knee off their neck. No pun intended. We let our knee off their necks. Mm -hmm. We do yeah, it every time. We, get we, we need a game plan, guys. Like, I think the activism and the awareness is the first step, but I think we often fail to get across the finish line by having it show up in real life. And that's what, unfortunately, the George Floyd case is starting to show us. And I hope to God we're wrong. I really hope we're wrong on this one and that somebody does something to make this have a moment of justice for his family. But I'm not holding my breath. But like you said, yeah, but like you said earlier, man, we need more compassion for each other and legitimate compassion because if you had legitimate compassion, if you're not just trying to follow the crowd or be a part of a wave, a social media wave, you would still be fighting for this person because you actually care. You care about that person's family. It's not just about a hashtag or people liking your post or reposting you. We need legit compassion in our community. So that's the plan. When you say, what's the game plan? We need a game plan. We need to legit have compassion for each other as a community. And it has to start now, for real. Well, think about it, right? What if this was your child? What if this was you? How would you want your friends and your community and your mm -hmm. culture to rally behind you if your voice wasn't here to do it for you? The, the thing that scares me about this one is that George Floyd's case was so public and so big and the impact was so swift and the, and the, and the frustration felt around the world was so powerful that for it to just dissipate, and for us to be here talking about it this way is scary because they literally killed him right in front of us. When I'm posting on social media and making moves and announcements, it was hard to find a program that had all the needs. Then I stumbled along Canva. Now that I have Canva Pro, my content is on the next level. Canva Pro is the easy to use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. Whether you're a professional designer or just getting started, Canva Pro can help you boost you and your team's productivity and creativity. It's a quick, easy, and affordable way to design whatever you need. No matter what you're creating and sharing, Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. Plus, Canva Pro comes with the time-saving tools that simplify and speed up the creative process. You get all this and more in just one Canva Pro subscription. My favorite Canva Pro feature is how easy it is to make new backgrounds and fonts changes all in the app. I mean, that's what we use for Hollywood Unlocked. There are hundreds of different color schemes that I can use that are preset. For me, I like Hollywood Unlocked Blue. There's no idea too big or small 
for Canva Pro. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Just go to canva.me slash unlock to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash unlocked. Canva.me slash unlocked. So you can unlock your creativity. What do you feel like the psychological impact will be, you know, after this? Because I feel like you you watch, you know, I'm raising a young black man to watch on TV people be killed by the police for no reason or for reasons that shouldn't deserve to be killed for. It's like, how do you have a sense of life and purpose if you can die for no reason? How do we expect our young men to care and value each other's lives when no one values it? No one values it. And I just, that's what scares me about well, this let, whole thing. Let me ask you the question. How do you explain your son's value, uh, the, the value of your son's life to him after this? Um, a lot of kids grow up. I know I felt this at a point where you feel like you're not important. So giving them a sense of importance and a sense of self. And I know that sounds vague, but you have to, and Blue, maybe you could back me up because I don't want to I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to finish so I can back you up, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I try to give my son a sense of self and also a sense of purpose where he's not throwing his life away, where he's not just throwing away opportunities, where he cares, where he cares about tomorrow. Because I'm telling you, this can get so rough. And Jason, you've probably been there where you don't care about tomorrow. You're like, I don't know when I'm going to die. I'm going to live every day like it's my last. And I feel like that's trickling down to all the homicides and all the violence we have in our community. But Blue, please help me out with this. So you guys know I love the kids. Jason loves, everybody on this panel, we love children. My very first writing job ever was with the Harvard School of Public Health. And that place was amazing because they actually did a study on this exact question that Jason just asked. And they found out that the way that you help young kids work through these feelings of helplessness is to teach them emotional intelligence. All these amazing things that Jason is learning right now in his 40s about his sense of worth and being proud of who he is despite what people say and embracing joy. When you teach emotional intelligence to children, there's actually studies that prove that they are better equipped to deal with the misogyny and the homophobia and the racism that the rest of the world feeds to them. So if your child has a sense of worth and knows how to deal with their emotions, then they know how to deal with the, the depression that comes from having to face a world that's not built for them. So even something as simple as, and I know this is going to be controversial, but brave, something as simple as seeing black boy joy via little Nas X, seeing a happy black man be his full self might annoy the adults who are Bible thumping and saying, oh no, this video is so bad. But there's something that happens when little black boys see other little black boys be free, even if they're being free in a way that they don't necessarily identify with. So I think black joy is the answer. I think this thing that Jason's doing, we were joking about it earlier that Jason was, you know, in Aruba in Miami, but Jason, there's something that happened to you on a molecular level when you found your joy that literally made you better equipped to deal with being called it, right? Like you had an ugly moment in the middle of all this joy and that joy is what kept you buoyant. So the answer is we need to embrace black joy because without black joy, what is the point of black liberation? What are we fighting for? Somebody had asked the question, of, you know, what are the, you know, emotional ramifications of all this? I think that there's going to be a lot of post-traumatic stress put on our community, even beyond what we've already been through with slavery and everything else and what happened in the civil rights movement, because we are still in a civil rights movement. It just doesn't yep. look like completely what it did back in the 60s, because we don't have to sit in the back of the buses and we don't have to go through certain doors, but there are certain doors that we still can't go through. And so we have to continue to protect ourselves, our culture and each other. And I think it starts by having these kind of conversations and being very direct and blunt about them. But I think for sure that the, the stress, the post-traumatic stress after this is going to be very traumatizing. Somebody else that I think is creating um, some traumatic uh, distress is Lil Mama. I mean, she I, I've been talking to Lil Mama on Clubhouse and Lil Mama, you know, I know you personally, you uh came to the show here kind of we taped a picture of you and we interviewed the chair for like 45 minutes because you didn't want to show up and i know at times you could be extra but this i think this i i'm i'm disappointed i'm disappointed i'm, I'm gonna get into it i'm gonna get into it really quick uh little mama there was a post that was deleted or it since has been deleted where she says that children are too young to to change their genders and this is what she said she said so children are t uh well somebody posted this and said so children are too young to smoke cigarettes, too young to drink alcohol, too young to get a driver's license, too young to go to a club, too young to gamble, too young to rent a car, but old enough to cut off their genitals and or change their gender. This is insanity. Hashtag America. And then she went on to say, 
Uh, she reposted this and she said, depopulation at any cost, cat fights, sword fights, used to be a cat, now I'm a dog, whatever, to stop new life reproduction. Now, listen, I have to say this, little mama, I haven't been at the show in a while because I've been on vacation, I've been moving around working. That is the most ignorant <laughs> I've ever heard from you. I've seen you do things and stunts and jumping up on stage with Jay and, and, and Alicia and and uh you know do some things that you've been chastised they called you bow wow they did all these different things you cried on the breakfast club you know i've had my experience with you not showing up to my show but i think since then you know we've kind of repaired that and we've gone on ahead our clubhouse moments i know you also like to be little mama from the hood and you know talk to like you or whatever but you you referenced you referenced you referenced a child having their sexual identity crisis as a cat changing into a dog to animals. And I don't understand on what planet you thought that that was cool. But when, when I tell you I'm not a fan of cancel culture, but I am canceling you for this to me, because there could be no relationship with somebody that would equivalent, make an equivalence to me and how I identify sexually with a cat and a dog now you went on and they they dragged you for it and you you i guess had something to say let's watch this video it's back ba it's basically depopulation so if you have little girls that like little girls then you won't have children if you have little boys that like little boys then you won't have children more so and we believe in that notion without them even going through puberty or giving them an opportunity to figure out who they truly are we'll have more confusion and less babies. That was my point. Now, when it comes to people who choose to be gay or choose to be lesbian or choose to change their sexuality with the mind frame of an adult and you're able to do that on your own, I don't have anything against you. I have gay family members. I have lesbian family members as yep. well as friends. And I don't judge grown people who make grown choices. But when we're talking about these babies, we have to be very mindful about what they're being fed. Because if my niece comes to me and she say, Auntie, I want to be a boy. And I'm like, why, Jinky? Oh, because I was watching a show with Sasa, and boys are very strong. And I'm like, well, it does, you don't have to be a boy for that. And I can explain these right. things to her that she may be confused about. But if she's telling me, I think that I am a boy, and she still feels that after she goes through puberty, I'm not going to label her insane. I'm going to listen to her, take heed, and support her. But we're talking about making children feel like they can make a choice of changing their genitals before they even go through puberty. You don't even know who you are or what you like. So we That's have to right. be very sensitive and mindful when we're dealing with our children. We are not talking about grown people who can make the choice to do and be whatever they choose to do and be. We're talking about children who may even look at us later on and say, well, why did you let me do that? And it's like, I wanted to be in support of you. I wanted to let you do what made you happy. Well, Ma, I was nine years old. How the hell do I know what's going to make me happy at nine years old? So now while exactly. you're trying to prevent hate and your children or resentment, you could be causing it as well. Well, let me first say that there's a reason why Zaya Wade has met with Michelle Obama and you can't even get invited back to the Grammys. You know, besides that fact, the fact that there are revolutionary change makers happening at a 12 year old level uh, with Zaya Wade uh, being able to have that conversation with Michelle Obama, that was a very public thing. You know, the ignorance that was so woven into that conversation, let me first just say Ooh. that I don't know that there's a surgeon or a surgery center on in this country that is said that they are performing sex change operations or cutting off genitals of little kids. So what you did was you gaslit the conversation by saying something that we all would agree with, that there should not be physical transformations done on children. There and you any. wove that into a conversation around sexual identity that some kids have at an earlier age than some of us when we get older. So I just want to try to unpack this at a, yeah. at a, at a much more higher level because the, the, the disrespectful, insulting ignorance that you display, little mama, was embarrassing. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed and you should never, ever speak on this topic again. And I'm going to go on and say one more thing. She then said she wanted to start a heterosexual movement. She posted this where Bitch. she mentions that she mm -hmm. wants to start a heterosexual rights movement, an anti-LGBTQ bullying. And then she said, y'all fight so hard to be respected and some of you not all. 
get a kick out of bullying people for having an opinion, how they dress, how their hair or their makeup looks, how much money they have, etc. There are so many people afraid to give their honest opinion because if they do, the LGBTQ plus will hear what they want and hear and take statements out of context. I don't have to prove myself by reminding people that I have loved ones of the LGBTQ plus community. When I speak, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm just speaking my truth just like you all. Now, I don't want to cut you off because, Blue, I know you have something to say, but I was one of those people that seen these videos because it wasn't just her saying that. And I'm like, wait, they're performing this on kids? So I did the research, Jason. Come to find out, like you said, there's not even a place that does that. I mean, even Boosie was saying it. I know you're not a fan of Boosie, but he's like, man, about Zia, man, don't cut that person's penis off. Nobody's cutting anything off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. Blue, go ahead. It's just it's just funny when you do the research on your own, people. You find the truth. Do the research on your own. She's an idiot. She's an idiot. And the fact that anybody, a trained monkey with Wi-Fi, could literally poke holes in everything that she said for the entire time that she was talking, right? And what I think is really disgusting about this is the fact that this privilege, regardless of what adjective comes in front of it, always acts the same, whether it's male privilege, white privilege, straight privilege. Privilege is an idiot that loves to use fear and propaganda in order to distort a conversation. You know who else made those arguments? Oh, well, if you guys can do this, then what about cats and dogs? White supremacists. Back in the day, white supremacists used to say, we can't have man white folks because what's next we're going to end up marrying cats and dogs you know who else said oh well if you guys are going to constantly complain i want to have an all lives matter movement white supremacists little mama is literally taking every single page out of the out of white supremacists and applying it against the gays and black people do this all the time we understand the nuance of privilege when it's racial but the minute is the gay community suddenly you're the white man in the room so i'm gonna start calling her bob Okay, your, your new name is Bob Little Mama because you are acting like a privileged white man and you're an idiot. And just like T.I. should have learned, adding I-O-N to the end of words doesn't make you sound smart. You're an idiot, okay? You better hope you don't see me in the street. I, I really felt bad for this loser because she's been crying all up and down the airwaves ever since she got clowned by everybody and their mother. And I went on Clubhouse the other night and listen to a room that she was in. I was real quiet. She didn't even know I was in there. And Jason and Damage, the way that she talked to every gay person who attempted to lovingly and respectfully explain things to her was disgusting. You are a human. And I'm saying it on the record. You are above reproach. I am personally canceling you. I'm personally I'll canceling you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is another thing. Disgusting. Y'all straight, straight people talking about gay issues. Mind your business Mind this your is business. not your community you. this is not your community you don't know nothing about the struggle you don't know nothing about the evolution that all That's of us I go do. through in this community you haven't even learned from the blowback that you got from this on how to take responsibility that you you you, you just callously moved past it and said you're going to start a anti-lgbt bullying campaign that would be similar to white people, like she said, saying that they want to start an anti-Black Lives Matter campaign to keep it fair for white people. You don't Bob. sound like you have any sense whatsoever. And you're misguided. Oh. And if you think oh. getting on Clubhouse and bullying people into listening to your narrative is going to work, that ain't going to work at Hollywood Unlocked. I, I encourage you to come here to the show. I doubt you will, because uh, if you really do want to start your movement, I would love to give you my platform to try to start your movement. It's going to die here. But we'd love to welcome it and anybody else who feels strongly about it, because I don't think you need a movement to advocate for being straight. We gay people live in a straight person's world. It's just becoming more fair to us who identify as being gay, just as for black people. You're still we're still we're all still struggling to have a balanced world for us. I still never it always baffles me how. People of color don't understand the, the struggle when it comes to women's rights and the struggle when it comes to the LGBT community. I just don't get it. Like, we struggle is struggle is struggle. What was the problem? I will say this, though. For those of you who are not lost, little mama, you're lost. You're a lost cause. I'm never going to think about you ever again. But for those of you who believed any of the dumb that she said and you got you some Wi-Fi and learned better, please know that there is still hope for you. If you're above reproach, if you think that you can learn there's space for you to learn and we're open to that. It's people like her who keep taking L's. 
over and over again and refuse to be on the right side of history, that's why she's getting canceled. You're not being canceled for making a mistake. You're being canceled because you refuse to learn from it. Well, speaking of Zaya Wade and, you know, all the drama around, you know, kids coming out and, you know, cha- you know, having their transformation, you know, Waka Flocka was recently under fire because on an episode of his show, his daughter uh, came out or came out uh, to him or was talking about including her girlfriend in an event. And people were quick to drag him over comments that he had made about Zaya Wade when she came out and people were pissed and felt like there was a contradiction on his opinions when it came to his own child versus his opinions that were unsolicited about somebody else's. And um, so Zoe, who's a comedian on Wild and Out, I did a couple of seasons with Zoe. He sounded out and this is what he had to say. This is just grownups, people in general, the world. It's so hypocritical and it pisses me the F off that, okay, his daughter is 16 and now she has come out that she likes girls and that she wants a girl to be her date to her quinceanera or whatever. Now, mind you, Waka, a couple of months ago, was bashing somebody about their gay son. Not bashing, but, you know, didn't agree. So, um, it's just funny in the comments, everybody's like, oh, he's such a good dad, he agrees, letting his daughter be her. But when you talk about Dwayne Wade and Zaya, how dare he? And Zaya's only 13. But when it's a girl, everybody's just so, oh, this is amazing, great. That's bull. Okay, well, after that surfaced, Tammy Rivera responded with a video. She was quick to let Zoe know what she felt, and this is what she said. Oh, he bashed Zaya, or then he went back and said, well, he didn't agree. So a person not allowed to have an opinion of how they feel without being a basher or hate or labeled as a, uh, uh, going against something or hating someone, they can't have an opinion? Are people allowed to grow? Are people allowed to change? Because it seems like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You get what I'm saying? It's like you're trying to find the positivity out of the situation. Like, well, damn, maybe Walker did grow. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad it took for Charlie to see him. Or maybe that was the situation. Instead, you decide, oh, but if it was a boy, if it was a boy, he wouldn't. Well, God damn. Can a person be who they are? Can a person grow? Instead, you still try to find a neg- the negativity out of something so positive. At once upon a time, I didn't believe in gay marriages. Because I grew up being taught from certain people around me that that was wrong. I met my friend Shad and he educated me and set me down and told me why my, why he felt the way I felt was wrong or my opinion was wrong. And to this day, I would never say no ignorant that again, ever. Because I understand now and I'm educated now. Just as as a heterosexual man and father, mind your own f***ing household. I think it just starts there. Mind your own household. When it comes to, and I don't want to say her name, Wade, Zaya Wade, Zaya Wade. Mm-hmm. I, I listened to Dwayne Wade on I Am Athlete podcast, and he talked about at three years old, him and his wife asked the question to themselves like, what if? And at eight years old, Zaya, Zaya, I want to make sure I'm saying it right, Zaya Wade, wrote a letter in school and said that she is gay. And then moving forward, came to a a position saying, I might want to identify as something different. That's their household. That's their journey. That's something they watched for years. I would never want to speak on that. So for everybody out there, you know, I'm not in the community. Mind your own household. I don't want nobody speaking on my son and I don't want to speak on yours. Just mind your household. That's all I wanted to say. No, that's beautiful. And I, I'm happy that we're talking about Tammy and Waka after talking about Little Mama because they show the two sides of ignorance and how one has hope and one doesn't. Little Mama, she's canceled, right? But you can tell from the way Tammy talks. Number one, I completely understand that as a mother and as just an overprotective woman, how she might feel like, you talked about my husband and my child, I'm going to see red. I understand her initial need to defend them. But what was missing from this was emotional intelligence because to Damage's point, the minute they asked you about Zaya Wade and you had any comment to make other than that's not my household, I don't have a comment on somebody else's child, you immediately opened up your own household. So Zoe is right. Yes. It is deeply hypocritical to speak in any capacity about somebody else's child, but then act a fool when you get the thing back that you initiated. So she's completely wrong. Zoe is right. She's being a hypocrite. But I understand why she's being a hypocrite because parents are defensive. So that's the first thing. The second thing is if your father never, ever, ever showed up to you for you for Christmas or your birthday or any day and you spent 10 years of your life never knowing your father and one day he shows up with a new car 
car and a, a birthday cake and says, hey, son, happy birthday. And you're like, you're not going to talk about the fact that you haven't been around all this time and you failed me? And he's like, but I'm here now. Why you got to be so negative? Why would that bother you? You know why? Because he didn't first acknowledge the mistake before pivoting to the solution. And so they're forcing us to have to ignore all the anger that was righteous on our parts and saying, well, look, we're fixing it now. We're fixing it now. Yes, sis, you're fixing it now. But the damage that you've done, you need to sit in that and take that L before we can pivot to forgiving you. You can't rush on us the, the on process. the On the other hand, though, let me play devil's advocate, right? Because I do see the little mama boy different than this right and it's not exactly. be, and i know and i know all these people so i know waka i know tammy i it's know little different. mama where i see it very different um is that one i expect the mother to stand up for her child so i expect exactly. and her husband so i expect tammy to defend her man and her child the way that she did i saw tammy acknowledge uh the lessons she learned from her friend shot who i also know on acceptance versus tolerance, which is what I spoke about in my in my video earlier, where I talked about accepting mm. a community, not tolerating them. And I, and I heard her say that she learned. Um, Waka and Tammy, what I will say to you is that I hope you are understanding that the blowback that you're getting is the same thing, if not a little bit less than what probably Isaiah Wade or uh, Dwayne and Gabrielle and their family felt when Waka had something to say. And so, yeah, I feel like if people mind their business when it comes to the kids, you won't have this situation. But I, I'm also a firm believer that our community, our communities of people who are marginalized need to get to a place of being able to embrace people who do change, the people that used to hurt us that do change. I'm but not Jason. saying they're allies. Hold on, I'm not finished yet. I'm not saying they're allies in our community. But I'm not saying, but I don't feel like they're still the detractors that they probably were some time ago. So Jason, have you actually seen the video of Waka's response to all of this? No, I've been in Miami. What, what do you say? Yeah, apparently you're not the only person here with receipts. Can you guys play that beautiful bean footage for us of Waka's response? 2021 adults y'all so goddamn lame about talking about kids like the way y'all talk about kids is, that is crazy that is crazy man y'all focus just who raised y'all that's a serious question for y'all are you raising a teenager are you a parent do you know how i feel like i'm not supportive of nothing this is my daughter this word supportive don't matter when you're a parent because you automatically doing that Y'all tripping, man. And everybody that I see is like, oh, they bashing Walker. Man, I done been in this shit. I saw all kind of as a kid. What the shit do I care about y'all with this country ass shit? Man, I done been to hell and back, man. Cut it out. Well, I didn't see that. Yeah, guys. So that's what I was trying to say. I am. I do not. I believe in giving people chances to evolve. Tammy, I believe her heart. I really believe that she's a mother who's defending her husband and her child. And I was rooting for them to be on the right side of history. And then Waka came out with that video, and it got awkward. Yeah. No, I think there needs to be more opportunities for people to understand acceptance versus tolerance. You know what yep. I mean? And it looks like it looks like Tammy got the lesson on acceptance, and it looks like. Waka appears to be tolerating. And until you get to a full level of acceptance, you're going to find yourself on the same end of it all. And I don't think that, you know, the one thing I did get from Waka's video was that there's this ego thing where you have to prove that you've been through more than being attacked by the gay community. It's similar to the thing that little mama was saying, which is what I hear you saying, Blue. Look, yeah. listen, people, gay people ain't worried about y'all. Y'all worried about us. And everybody just needs to move on and let uh, a sleeping dog lie. Another sleeping dog that needs to lie is Whitney Houston because I can't even oh. believe that Rosie O'Donnell has come out and is speaking about the queen of music. Uh, she recently did an interview, which I don't know why they're interviewing Rosie O'Donnell because she's not doing anything. But uh, she, they talked about her relationship with Whitney Houston and she um, said that, um, you know, she talked, she brought up uh, Whitney's sexuality. Uh, which I thought was interesting. She says, Whitney was troubled by, I think, the gay part of her life and didn't want it exposed. It's hard in black culture to accept gayness. It's culturally more difficult, I think. And the church, the Baptist church, weighed heavily on her growing up in the church and singing gospel. I think that there was a lot of conflict about that. Rosie O'Donnell, sir, let me explain what? something to you. You don't get to speak about the black community. What? Oh, so Lord. we live in a world now where this 
can just come and talk about our community because <laughs> he ain't got nothing better to do. I you don't understand. I don't understand, <laughs> sir, why you think that it's okay for you to talk about our community. Now, would I agree that in our community, there, you know, we we don't fully embrace and accept and understand the gay community? Clearly, you've heard it, right? But homophobia is something that exists outside our community too. And maybe there was the Baptist church that had some influence over Whitney. But I have a couple questions, sir. Why would you talk about Whitney Houston sexuality while she's dead? Number two, why are you talking about the black community in the Baptist church, which you have no right to because you don't belong in, you know, in, in, in you don't belong in our black church and in our in our black community. So why would you speak about it? This goes back to again, white people having privilege, thinking that they can speak on anything that they want. And I'm sorry to you and anybody else, Whitney Houston, and her whole life, unless it has to do with her accolades for music and how much she loved her daughter, should not be on the tip of none of your tongues. Mm, mm. Unfortunately, I feel like we opened that door. Um, I think for the past few years, decades, man, I've watched white people speak on our culture and we just let them on TV, on different platforms. So I think this issue needs to be solved overall. But Rosie, come on now. Like, what the? And she's giving history updates that everybody knows. You know, in the black community, they're having a hard time. Since when, since, since when did Rosie O'Donnell replace Al Sharpton and Maxine Waters with <laughs> updates from the black community? Yeah. Do you know who did I you blame? Know? Do you know who I blame? I blame all you N-words who keep giving out tickets to the barbecue every time somebody's a TikTok mm. dance and happens to be white. Stop giving out tickets to the barbecue, y'all. The, the bar is very low these days. If you are an ally, you are on the side. The minute you center yourself, you are no longer an ally. You are a Karen. So Rosie O'Donnell, mm. her whiteness was showing because once again, she had to make it about her by using Whitney Houston, which is a weird, weird flex. So weird. You're a weird lady. <laughs> Not your weird sorry. lady. You're a weird lady. That's all I have Not to say. You are homie and bro and sir. <laughs> right, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> You're a weird lady. Yeah, that's her weird. problem. That's why she thinks she can say listen, this Listen, listen. This show has so many ups and downs in it that um, <laughs> I hope that it inspired you to be more inclusive. Um, it started out real inspirational and emotional and ended on some <laughs> But either way, listen, I told y'all I'm Oprah and Wendy with a <laughs> And I'm going to go out of here because, uh, yeah, I don't know where this show is landing. Uh, bottoms up. Bottom. Uh, never mind. Bye. <laughs>